Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11. And we're just going to... I guess you could say review maybe some, some basics about faith and how to operate in faith. You know, uh, it also talks about here in Hebrews about, you know, not letting these things slip. You know, we can let things slip even if we've heard them before. And we don't want to let these things slip. So we, we just want to go over some basics of faith today. Uh, and we might continue next time along this line as well. We'll just see how it goes. But Hebrews 11, <clears throat> verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now, if you have a pen, I would like for you to underline the word things. If you don't have one, you have a, or you share it with somebody, underline the word things. It's mentioned. It's mentioned twice in this one verse. The substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now let's look at the first three words in this verse. Now faith is. Now in the, the context that this verse is written, and in, in the English grammar in which it's written here, the word now in this context is not used in the present tense. Okay? The word now is just there like for emphasis. You know, just like uh, you would say but. You know. Uh, actually, if you look up in... Uh, If you just look up in verse 38 of the last chapter, just two verses back up above that, it says, now the just shall live by faith. It's the same, same kind of context. It's not really used as now being in the present tense. The Amplified Bible actually says, but the just shall live by faith. So even though the intent of this word is not present tense, we need to direct our thought toward this word as being in the present tense in order to reveal something important about faith. Faith that is the substance of things hoped for is always now faith. Faith that is the substance of things hoped for is always now faith. If faith is not now, it is not faith. Okay? If faith is not now, it's not faith. So for, for the, the purposes of, of uh, revealing something important about faith and how it operates and how we're to operate it and utilize it in our lives, 
We're, we're just going to look at this as if now is in the present tense. If it is not present tense faith, that is now, it is not the substance of things hoped for. Faith is now. Everybody say that together. Faith is now. Now, you could read Hebrews 11 verse 1 like this. Faith is now the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is now the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is the substance, the raw material, the force, and the confidence to things hoped for. And it is now. Faith is now. Now, the reason I really want to emphasize this and pound this in is because many times you you will hear, hear Christians say, you know, I believe God's going to heal me someday in His time. Now, how many times have you heard that? Hundreds of times. Many times, Christians put off until a later date things that God has already promised. And you'll hear them say, I believe God's going to heal me one day. That is not faith. Okay? Now, they are projecting their healing out into the future some other day, some other time. And that is not faith. It's either that way or they'll, they'll, they'll look back, you know, they believe healing was in Jesus' day and they will acknowledge that Jesus healed people and healing was available in Jesus' ministry and healing was available in the Old Testament with the apostles, but when the apostles died off, healing passed away. There are whole denominations that believe that and preach that. So they either put their healing in the future someday, or they they put it in the past. You know, well, if I would have been living when Jesus was here, I could have been healed. But it's not now. And faith is now. So, hold your place in Hebrews 11, and let's turn to Mark 11. We're going to look at our well-known scripture here where Jesus taught about faith. Verse 24. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire. Now underline the word things again. What things soever you desire when you pray, Believe that ye receive, and ye shall have. Now, when you ask for something in prayer, do you believe you receive it when you receive the answer, or when you pray? 
when we pray, when we pray okay? When we ask God for something, and we pray for something in prayer, we don't believe we receive it when we have the answer. We believe we receive it when we pray. Okay? That's what Jesus said. So that's why the things that we prayed for today, the things that we prayed for today, we believe we receive them now. Okay? Not when, not when we see some kind of physical evidence. That's just when we're going to hear the good report. That's just when it's going to be manifested. But we believe we receive it now. Because heaven knows all about it. Because the Holy Spirit within us, you know, we are mm. in contact mm. with heaven. So it's mm. done deal. Mm. When Jesus said, when he hung on the cross, he said it was finished. Mm. He defeated death and hell so that we can be overcomers. Mm. And it's, Jesus said we believe we receive it when we pray. Yeah. So if you pray, if we pray at 2 o'clock, that's now. Okay? If you pray at 8 o'clock tonight, it's still now. Okay? So you believe you receive now. Whether it's at 11.30, whether it's at 8 o'clock tonight, it's still going to be now. Okay? Yeah. Okay. Now, you remember over in Hebrews 11.1, 1, we underlined the word things over there twice. Now, these are the things that we believe we receive when we pray here in Mark 11. The same word, things. Jesus said, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them now, and you shall have them. Okay, these are the things we believe we receive when we pray. Now the word receive here in this verse is the word take. If you look up in a Greek concordance, it's the word take. You, you believe you take it when you pray. Now, you, you may have heard Gloria Copeland talk a lot recently about that's the way you receive healing and really anything else from God. You take it. And you take it now. That's what, that's what Rosemary did when we prayed for her hands. She took it now. Maybe may 8 o'clock tonight, might be tomorrow till it's, you know, might be next week when it's totally done. But she took it now. Every person we prayed for, we took it now. We took uh, Lindy's son, we took his job now. And his salvation. We're taking it now. May I take it and my granddaughter's coming to yeah, the meeting. Yeah, we took the meeting. Yeah, we took that now. Yeah. it's just a matter of time. Now it's just a matter of time, but we took it now. So that's why faith has to be now. Yeah. Okay. That's that's the importance. It has to be now. Faith takes it now. So if we pray at two o'clock about something, it will be now when we pray. Okay? Now, if you... Let's go back uh, over to Hebrews 11. 
Let me get back over there. If you look at the two words on either side of the word faith, the word now and the word is, both of those words are present tense. Now is present tense and is is present tense. Is is not past tense and is is not future. Is is right now. You know, Jesus, I mean, uh, God, you know, said to Moses, I am that I am. He didn't say, I will be one day or I was. He said, I am. So he's always I am. Whether it was in 1400, he was I am. And today he's still I am. So that he does not change, and, and God's word does not change. Now let's look on down to Hebrews 11, verse 6. But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, that's, notice the word is again, present tense, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Now underline the phrase, that he is. This is also present tense. Doesn't say he was, doesn't say he will be. That he is. This doesn't mean, uh, when it says, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is. This doesn't just mean believing that there's a God. That's not what it's talking about. It means believing that he is in the now. That's what it means. Mm -hmm. Believing that he's in the now. So you could read this verse 6 like this. But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is in the now. That's the way we could read that. So your faith has to be in the present tense. It cannot be put off into the future or back into the past. Okay? There are people who say, you know, healing was just during Jesus' ministry on the earth and so forth. And when they say, well, I believe God can heal me. I believe God's going to heal me someday. I know what they mean, but that's not faith. Okay? Now let's look at the difference between faith and hope. Because when somebody says something like that, when they say, I believe God's going to heal me one day in His time, that is hope. It's not, not any faith in that. It's hope. So let's look at the difference between faith and hope. And it'll help us to realize, you know, when we're in faith, and it'll also help us to realize when somebody else is not in faith, they're just in hope. And, and we can help them to get in faith. Okay? So faith is the substance or the raw material that's necessary to produce what you hope for. 
Hope is, is what you desire. It's like a goal. You know, you've got a goal that you're aiming for. It could be healing or, you know, your family to come to the Lord or, you know, you hope to get a better job. You hope to get a pay rise. What, whatever it is, the goal, the thing that we're asking for, the thing we desire, that's what you call hope. Okay, so I don't have anything to write with up here. Um, but the thing you desire, that's hope. Now, faith is what produces what you hope for. That's what you got to have to get what you hope for or what you desire. Now, People who hope to be healed, they obviously desire to be healed, don't they? They obviously desire to be healed. But, but that by itself won't get you healed. Okay? Just hoping to get healed, it's good. It's good to have a desire to be healed. But it takes more than just a desire to get healed. Now... Let's take, let's take an, something an example, for example along this line that we can all, uh, I think, help us understand this. Let's say, um, let's say this is a warm day, it's very warm in here, it's getting uncomfortable, and I want to cool the room down in here, okay? And we're going to pretend that we have air conditioning in here, okay? Now... Let's say uh, there's a thermostat on the wall here. Let's pretend that's a thermostat. And I, let's say it's 30 degrees in here and it's way too hot. We want to cool the room down to 20 degrees. That's more comfortable. Okay? So I go, I go to the thermostat and I put the thermostat on 20 degrees. That is what I desire. Okay? That's what I'm hoping for. Okay? But, but there's nothing in that thermostat that can produce any cold air. Cold air is not ever going to come out of that little box. Okay? So, so the thermostat by itself cannot make this room cool. And hope by itself cannot bring what you desire and what you need. Now, we got to have something that will produce the cold air it's going to take to get what I desire. Okay? So, we put an air conditioning unit right outside that window there. That air conditioning unit is built to produce cold air. Okay? Now, we get an electrician to connect that air conditioning unit with that thermostat. Okay? So, that air conditioning unit outside has been wired to that thermostat. Now they're connected. So, when I dial 20 on the thermostat, it triggers that air conditioning unit to come on. 
and it triggers that air conditioning unit to start producing cold air in this room. And that air conditioning unit will continue to work and it will continue to make cold air and it will not stop until this 20 degrees is reached in this room. It will not stop. And when it reaches 20 degrees, that air conditioning unit is going to stop because we got what we desired. Okay? So that's, that's an illustration that I hope will help you because the thermostat by itself will never produce cold air in this room. On the other hand, the air conditioning unit by itself won't make this room cold if we don't tell it what to do. Okay? I told it what to do when I put this on 20. I told it, I told the air conditioning unit, you start producing cold air. So the air conditioning unit by itself cannot cool this room, and the thermostat by itself cannot cool this room. But if you put hope and faith together, you can get what things soever you desire. Okay? They got to work together. So the air conditioning unit is the substance that produces the cold air. The thermostat is the hope of what we desire that tells the air conditioning unit what to do. So our hope and our desire, when we pray, Jesus said, what things soever you pray, you desire when you pray, believe you receive it and you shall have it. So our hope sets the goal for what we desire and the faith is what brings it to pass. Okay? That's the raw material. That's the spiritual force that causes it to be manifested in the natural realm from the spiritual realm. Okay? It brings it from the unseen realm into the seen realm. Okay? Just like... The cold air in an air conditioning unit is brought into this room. Okay? If you had manually put the thermostat on there, it would have... No. It's the same as hoping and bring, having to bring our faith in. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 We can believe the Word. We can hope that the Word will work, work for us. And then we, as Gloria says, we can take it. Yeah. You gotta activate it. You know, you can't just let it sit there. You know that that air conditioning unit could sit there, and we could be boiling in here. You know, because we never made a demand on it. You know, just we haven't told it to do anything. It's capable of of making this room cool, but if we don't make a demand on it, we could be sweating in here and saying, man, I sure wish it was cool in here, well, and it belongs. There's nothing wrong with us. If we don't, we don't activate our faith, we can keep on saying, 
saying, woe is me, woe is me. Yeah. This is happening, that's happening. Yeah. And, and you're talking you the problem. We could sit here and talk the problem about how hot it is in this room, you know, and how uncomfortable we are. And we haven't, we haven't, we're just going to stay hot. We're just talking, we're just talking the problem. And that's what people are doing when they just talk the problem and they just talk about their sick, you know, being sick. They're, they're, not, act, they're not releasing any faith. They're just talking the problem. And that just keeps the problem. And so we could talk about how hot it is in here and just stay hot. But we can do, we can activate, we can activate the cool air by changing that thermostat. And we can get some cool air. This is, this is the thermostat right here. Uh, if you don't change this, you're going to keep the problem. You can either change the problem with this or you can keep the problem. So your mouth is, the, is like the thermostat. It tells your faith what to do. Or it tells fear, come on in. You know, it tells you your, your spirit is listening to your words. So that's why it's so important about what we say. Our, our words have a lot to do with, they're, they're the thermostat of our life. Okay, let's, let's go back to Hebrews 11.1. 1. We're still there. Now, uh, where it says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now, if you have an Amplified Bible, it says, uh, talking about faith, it refers to it as the title deed. In the Amplified Bible, it says the title deed to what you hope for. Now, let's take an example. Let's say I own some land in the French Alps. And somebody says to me, have you ever been there? No. Have you ever seen that land? No. Then how do you know that land belongs to you? Because somebody wrote me a letter and they told me they're giving me this land and here is, and they mailed me the title deed. I've got the title deed to that land. I don't have to have ever been to France. I don't have to have ever even seen a picture of that land. Somebody wrote me a letter, I'm giving you this land and here's the title deed to it. That is my evidence that I own that land. And God has given us, He has written us a whole book telling us what He's given us. I've given you divine health. I've given you prosperity. I've given you righteousness. I've given you faith. I've given you blessings. I've given you peace and joy and victory. All these letters He's given us. This is our evidence. It belongs to us now. You don't, have, you don't have to have been to heaven to know that heaven is your home. You got, you got evidence right here. This is your title deed. You don't have to see it in the natural. You've got God's word for it. So I, I wouldn't have to see that land in France. I've got somebody's word for it that they've given me that land. They sent me the deed to it. So if somebody tries to challenge me on that land and say, you know, well, you don't, you don't really own that land, 
I can challenge it. I got the deed. So when somebody tries to tell you you're not healed, you got the deed. You can challenge them. Somebody tries to tell you it's not God's will to prosper you, you got the deed. Yes, ours because we belong to that kingdom. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I own, I own some trees through a deed. Yeah. I've got the house and the cross and all that line of the five houses. It's my, it's my land. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So I've got an extra bit of land. Yeah, and when somebody else tries to challenge that, all you got to do is pull out the deed. Yeah. So when, when the devil tries to tell you you're not healed, you got the deed. And he tries to tell you you're not going to get that money. You know, you're not, you're not going to get, your kids are never going to be saved. They're, you know, just go to the Word and, and find the promises, you know. My children are... Uh, God said you're saved for my children. Yeah. And will be their peace. Yeah. My children are taught of the Lord. You know, and great is their peace. That's it. And, and so you find this promise that covers what you're believing for, and that's your deed. So when somebody tries to challenge you, you just say, too late. I already got the deed. But if somebody tried to challenge me and wanted to pull the tree down, I inadvertently said yes because I felt sorry for the girl. But then what was going on behind my back annoyed me from the father. Uh, so I, what she'd written as agreement, I just crossed it through and put it back into their, their house as it's cancelled. Mm-hmm. And um, when I saw him, I challenged him, and I, I still think he's, um, no, I don't like his character. Mm. There's something with him I don't like. Mm. But then I'm having to have an open mind, because neighbours have sort of given me that idea as well. And um, he just, he's got to keep the tree there now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so this is... This is telling us that faith is our title deed to what God says already belongs to us. To the promises of God. That's our title deed. And when the devil tries to tell you you're not going to get it, you just get out the deed and say, too late, I already got it. Yeah. Amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, that's how we can say we're healed. Jesus has already given it to us in the Word, and it's our title deed. When? Now. Now. Okay? Now. You're good students. You're listening. <laughs> you're getting it. Amen? You're teaching, that's right. You're getting it. Oh, please, because I've got... The God's given me some trees. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because I know... I mean, finally, the house was through God and Jesus. I mean, I was just... Looked at the estate agents who grabbed this thing and thought, that's a great place, I like it there. Praise God. And tried it and. Um, it's and a blessing. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, got, the bre- got the blessing of a, about three or four Amen. Times. Not big ones. But Amen. So, how can we say we have abundance and there is no lack? We got the title deed. Yeah. And we got it when? Now. Amen. Hallelujah. Jesus has already paid for it and given it to us. And the Word is our title deed. And somebody else's unbelief is not going to change that Word. Amen? And just like somebody else's unbelief is not going to change the fact that those trees belong to you. 
Yeah, because I've asked the Lord to make them a, a yeah. better tree than ever. Yeah. Whatever the weather, whatever it produces, those trees, if it's going to be dry land, they're going to be glorified. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Hallelujah. Yeah. Hallelujah. They're going to be blessed trees. Yeah. If they're your trees, are going to be blessed. Amen. Hallelujah. So faith in the Word is our evidence that we have what is promised now. Even though it may not be manifested yet, it's our evidence that we have it now. Okay. Now the Amplified Bible says, the proof of things. Faith is the proof of things. What things? The things that we underline here in, in Hebrews 11.1, 1, uh, the things hoped for and the things not seen yet. Not seen yet. Just because we don't see them now doesn't mean we're not going to see them. We just haven't seen them yet, but we have them now. They are ours. They belong to us already. Yeah. Always been ours. Yeah. That's what we take by faith now. Yes. What are it's like I see what my children and my grandchildren and yes. great grandchildren get up to now and again. I'm not moved by it because the word of God says the seed of the righteous shall be delivered. Yes. You got and God has made me righteous and I am <coughs> believing that my seed shall all be they'll all be delivered. Yeah. Amen. Yeah, will not have his way with them. Amen. Amen. And I stand on that. Amen. And that's why I, those things, that's what I hope for. My faith is strong because of this word. Amen. Yeah. And that's, uh, that's why you're not moved by what you see because you've got the title B. Yes. You, you yeah. already got the evidence. Probably. That's it. Yeah, you've got the promise. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. So the Amplified Bible says it's the proof of things. The things God's promised us in His Word. The things hoped for. The things not yet seen. The things we believed we received when we prayed. In Mark eleven twenty four. So your faith in the written Word of God is the proof of things you cannot see yet. Okay? Yes. Hallelujah. The promises of God already exist in the spirit realm. Now let's turn over to Second Peter, which is just a few pages over to the right. Second Peter one. Second Peter one. Verse 2. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Now I want to give you the definition of grace that the Lord gave Charles Capps. He's a wonderful Bible teacher and, and this is the definition of grace that the Lord gave him. Grace is God's willingness. Grace is God's willingness to use His power and His ability on your behalf even though you don't deserve it. Mm 
Now that's about as simple as you can get, isn't it? So just just um, just remember the if you want to shorten it, just to something you helps you remember. Just say grace is God's willingness. Okay, grace is God's willingness, and He was willing even when you didn't deserve it. Okay, now let's talk a few minutes about God's willingness. And, and, you know, when I talk about uh, healing, you know, when we do a healing school or we do a prosperity seminar, that's usually one of the very first things that we have to go to the Word and establish is God's willingness. God's willingness to heal. God's willingness to bless you. Because as long as there's any question about that in your mind, it's going to block your faith. Your faith is going to stop wherever that question mark is. Is it God's will to heal me? Is it God's will that I be blessed and prosperous and, and have you know, a blessed life? Should I live better than other... Should I live... Should I have a higher standard of living than other people? You know? <clears throat> just because I'm a Christian. You know? If for no other reason... Just because I'm a Christian, I should have a higher standard of living than the world out there. So, that's why we always have to address establishing God's will from the Word. Now, when you begin to talk about God's willingness to do something, people always want to bring up the subject of the sovereignty of God. When you begin to talk about as God's will for them to be healed and blessed and God's will that you have this. They want to bring up this subject. Well, God is sovereign. And what they mean by that is that God will just decide to do whatever He wants to do at the time. That's what they mean. They're saying, you never know what God will do. You know, He'll just kind of make up the rules and he'll just decide as he goes along. You know, he doesn't have any, he doesn't have any, you know, he's totally unpredictable. He'll just decide as he goes along. You know, uh, he'll just decide if you get healed or not. Or he'll, de he'll decide if you get blessed. And if it's his will that you get blessed, then you will. If it's His will you get healed, you will. But if you don't get healed, then it wasn't His will. Now that's that's the way they interpret. That is terrible. It is, isn't it? Isn't it? Isn't that terrible? We're not like that with our own children, are we? Absolutely. With our own children, we wouldn't let them suffer. We would. Whatever we could do to help them, we do it. And God has made us in His image. Yes. Amen. Yeah. Amen. I mean, you know, even... I, I don't, that, that's just what religion does to people. Because even unbelievers, a lot of unbelievers don't even think that way. You know, and for Christians to think that way, only religion can teach you to think that way and to be that way. Because even, even unbelievers, a lot of unbelievers wouldn't believe that, you know. 
But no, God is going to do what He said in His Word He will do. That's what He's going to do. And it's, it's true that God is sovereign, but God in His sovereignty has decided, our sovereign God has decided that He is going to limit Himself to His Word. Okay? He's not just making up things as he goes. He's already said what he will do. God has limited himself to his word. And that's what our sovereign God. So that's why when Adam sinned, God could not just come back in here, sweep his sin under the rug like it never happened, and just say, okay, I'm just going to create another man and start all over again. He couldn't. His word was already out. He'd already given his word to Adam. He couldn't go back on it. Don't you think if God could have done it some other way, he would have? You know, if there's some way he could have turned that around, he would have done it. He couldn't. God is sovereign, and he had given his word to Adam that I'm giving you this earth and dominion over everything in this earth. It all belongs to you. And if you want to give it to a monkey, you can. And we would have been better off if Adam would have given it to a monkey instead of giving it to the devil. But God had already given Adam his word and he could not go back on it. So God is going to do what he said he's going to do. He's not making up his will as he goes along. He's already established his will from the foundation of the world. And we're not trying to tell God what to do. He has already told us what to do. Yes, and he stopped the devil when Jesus came. Yes, absolutely. He said it is finished. Yeah. He, it took him thousands of years to get in a position to get Jesus in the earth so he could do something about the devil, but he did it. So, God's, you know, we Christians want to try to do God's job for him, and then they want him to do our job for us. And, and, and we have a part to play, and God has a part to play. But it seems like a lot of Christians always want to reverse the roles. We try to get God to do what we're supposed to be doing. And, and we try to do what He's supposed to be doing, you know? So, regardless of whether anybody believes it or not, God is not going to alter His Word. Yes, amen. Yeah. Amen. Psalm 89.34 My covenant will I not break, nor alter the thing that has gone out of my lips. Case closed. Amen. Psalm 89.34 you don't, you don't have to, to turn there. Uh, but it says, My covenant will I not break, nor alter the thing that has gone out of my lips. So grace is God's willingness. Now most Christians don't doubt that God is able to do something. They 
They don't question if God's able. They question if He's willing. So that's why we we go to the Word when we talk about healing. We go to the Word when we talk about prosperity and blessing to establish God's will. So why do they question God's willingness? Because they lack knowledge of God and what He has said in His Word. If you know the Word, you know God's will about your situation. You're not questioning God's willingness. The more knowledge you have of God and what He has promised and provided for through Jesus, the stronger you become and believing His willingness. Amen? That's what this scripture is telling us. Um, Grace and peace be multiplied to you through the knowledge of God. So the more knowledge of God in His Word you have, God multiplies His willingness to you. Do you see that? God's willingness is multiplied to you the more you have knowledge of God in His Word. That's why you get to the point you don't question God's will about His willingness to heal you. You don't question His will about blessing you. You have knowledge of God. You have knowledge of His Word. And that knowledge multiplies God's willingness to do it in your life. That's what He's telling us here. So, how do we get knowledge of God? Through the Word. How do we get faith? Through the Word. Okay? Faith in God and knowledge of God comes by hearing what God said. Now let's turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. This is a good one. Second Corinthians 1. Verse 18. 2 Corinthians 1.18 But as God is true, our word toward you was not yea and nay, or yes and no, we would say today. Our word toward you was not yes and no. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us, even by me, and Silvanus and Timothy was not yes and no but in him was yes for all the promises of God in him are what? Yes. yes all the promises of God in him are yes and in him amen to the glory of God by us so if you have a promise from the Word of God to support what you are believing God for, then you already have His will regarding this matter, and God has already said yes before you even ask. Amen? 
That's what this scripture says. All the promises of God are yes and amen. They're not yes and no. They're not maybe. God's not deciding at the time on the day. God's already said yes to every promise in His Word. He said yes before we even ask. But He still wants us to ask. And believe we receive when? Now. Amen. Hallelujah. So when you have knowledge of God, you have faith, and you know He's willing to do what He said He would do. To operate in faith, you must establish a time and a place when you believe you receive the promise of God has already provided. So that's the only time we ever look at the calendar or we ever look at the clock when we're operating by faith. When we pray and we believe we receive it now. That's, that's the only time we look at the time and the date. We don't look at time anymore after that. Most Christians who lack knowledge of God's Word believe God is the one bringing them the problems, the tests, the trials, and the adversity in order to teach them something and make their faith stronger. And that's deception. The devil has got them deceived. They don't know that all the promises of God are yes and amen. They don't have the knowledge of, of God. And they don't know about God's willingness to do what He's already said He would do. And if you don't know what God said, then you don't know God's will. So you're just out there in limbo, and the devil's the devil can take advantage of you. Yeah, and because I knew this word, what God said about me, when I got sick, and and I was inside in the hospital in Cyprus. A pastor's wife came to visit me and she said to me, why do you believe that you are going to be healed? Because don't you realise God is a God of affliction? That's what she, that's what she said to me. Well, what pastor she got though? None. None. I mean, the question, no. She's not following Christ. No, she's, she's deceived by the devil. Yeah, so that, she's deceived by the devil. I mean, I've forgiven her now, but at one time, I mean, it made me cry at the time for her to say that to me. I mean, you're in hospital. You're knowing, you're knowing spirit anyway, aren't you? Because you're in the hospital. Yeah. And then trying to boost yourself up with the word, and then somebody that's got the collar, probably, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, oh, we <laughs> just says, oh, it's all a waste of time, dear, in a hospital. Hmm. <laughs> it's, well, praise God. Praise God you didn't. Yeah, no, I did 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 I for us to have the knowledge of God's Word yes. before these things happen. Because these so-called well-intentioned, sincere people are going to try to come straighten you out. You know, and if you listen to them, you're going to get deceived just like them, and you're going to be the devil's next dinner. You know, 
And that's, the Bible says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And that's what we're talking about, is gaining the knowledge of God. And when we gain the knowledge of God, we have knowledge of His Word, and we have faith. And that's why it's so important for us as individuals to know God's Word and to know His will. And when somebody, the devil sends somebody along like that, it just rolls off of us like, say, eh, you know. It just rolls off of us like water off of a duck. And fortunately, it did. But if Anne had not known that... I had enough word in me to, yeah. Yeah, to overcome it. Absolutely. But the Lord was there with somebody yeah. to guide you back if you, know, and if especially, you were thinking. Yeah, and especially when he sends a Christian along to straighten you out. You know, because he knows... You, you, you know, you wouldn't just believe anybody, but he knows a Christian would probably believe another Christian. So he sends somebody along he thinks you will listen to. That's know. just like the devil talking to Eve. Yeah. Did God really say mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's exactly the same. What yeah. you're saying, the devil sent her along to try to steal yeah. my faith yeah. on me and the Word. That's a good example, Anne, because... That's how the devil got a foothold in there is because she did not have the knowledge that Adam had. She didn't know what God told Adam. She was not even there when God told Adam, you know, that you're not to eat of this tree. So she lacked knowledge and she lacked God's will about what they could and could not do. And that's how the devil got in there. Yeah. And it was Adam's fault because he was supposed to give her that knowledge. He was supposed to tell her what God said. And he didn't tell her what God said. So as far as she knew, she could eat from that tree. She didn't know. She was, he deceived her through lack of knowledge. So that's exactly what we're talking about, is, is know, having the knowledge of God by knowing what God said. Amen? That's a good, that's a good example. So, uh, let's look at verse, where are we? We're still in 2 Peter. Uh, yeah, we're still in 2 Peter uh, 1 verse 3. Let's look at... Uh, According as His divine power has given unto us all things that pertain to life and godliness. How? How do we, how do we uh, become partakers of all things that pertain to life and godliness? Through the knowledge of Him. That's what we're talking about. Through the knowledge of God we become, it goes on down in verse 4 to talk about, well, I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's look at the words in verse 3, hath given. Now these words are not present tense, these are past tense. His divine power has already given unto us all things. There's the word things again. We're seeing that word all over the place today. All things 
that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him, through the promises in God's Word. Now, if I said to you, uh, when we leave here today, I want everybody to go to the parkway and I want you to have your lunch because it's already paid for. Okay? I've already paid the bill in advance. All you got to do is just go down to the parkway and go in and tell them, you're here with Barb Witt. She's already paid my bill to eat here and I'm here to, for my meal. They would let you... They. It's yours. Now, if you don't eat there, it's not my fault, okay? Because <laughs> I already paid for it. So, I demonstrated my willingness for you to be blessed by paying that bill in advance. The fact that I've already paid for it demonstrated my willingness for you to have it. Okay? So, Jesus said... Father, concerning the removal of their sin, concerning your healing, concerning your blessing and your provision and your financial needs on the earth, send the bill to me and I'll pay for it. And that's what Jesus did when he went to the cross. He already paid the bill. He paid the bill for our healing. He paid the, heal, the bill for us to be blessed and have our needs met. He paid the bill for us to be made righteous. He paid the bill for us, you know, to have abundant life. And just going to heaven is just the icing on the cake. That's not the cake. That's just the topping. You know, that's just a bonus, you know. Praise God. Praise God, it's a wonderful bonus. So Jesus has already paid the bill. All at one time, all in one place, on the cross for all who will believe and receive it. John 10.10, 10, in the Amplified, Jesus said, I have come that you have and enjoy life. And he's already paid the bill. Now we lay hold of all these promises by faith. Okay? That's why we need to know about faith and how to operate in it, and it's now. Because Jesus has already paid the bill. Okay? So, so if, if, if you said to somebody, I'm going down to the parkway and I'm getting a free meal today, and they said, well, how do you know you're going to get it free? You, I've got Barb Witt's word that she's already paid the bill. It's my lunch and it's free. You know, that's all the evidence you need. And somebody says, how do you know you're healed? You got the word. Amen? Hallelujah. So all God wants to hear from us at this point, thank you, Lord, for my healing. Thank you, Lord, for blessing me. Thank you, Lord, for the blessing. It's paid for. And I'm receiving it. I'm not going to leave my free lunch at the parkway just because somebody else doesn't understand it. You know? Yes. Or just because somebody else doesn't believe that I should have it. Or because they believe that they're unworthy to have it. You know? They could go down there too if, if they were here. <laughs> you know? They could get in on the free lunch as well. 
Because if they were here, I'd, I'd pay for their bill too, you know. So the only reason they're missing out is because they weren't here. You know, are, are they not, they weren't in a position to receive it. You're in a position to receive it. So when people put themselves in position to receive God's blessings by being born again and getting in the kingdom of God, then it all belongs to them too. And it's by faith that we lay hold of these things. Amen? Hallelujah. Did that help you? Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's a good way of us being able to teach other people the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that it will help you because you're going to run across other people uh, that need help. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, amen. Mm -hmm.